it is not easy to go out there and go to war with your mindset. Mm. Like, and I say go to war, like the shit that we say to ourselves is absurd. And if mm. you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, you have zero friends. Right. But so we live life like things are happening to us when really we're the agent, we're the cause. Mm. We've caused it by the virtue of our thinking. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast with Janelle and Eddie. Hello there. This is episode number 28 and you are in for a ride. I don't know based on where this conversation is going to go if I'm going (laughs) to call this episode the shit you say to yourself, but I think that's where we're going to start. How you become the enemy to yourself. (laughs) Right. And so I want to introduce you to our special guest for today. She's one of my good friends. Her name is Adele Tevlin. She is from Toronto, Canada. She's the founder of Adele Wellness, a premium weight loss consultancy for high-performance professionals with demanding lifestyles. She works with CEOs and C-suite executives to help them push past their BS in order to produce profound results. She's a behavioral expert and pattern interrupter that uses a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy, neuroscience, and psychology to ensure that clients achieve their transformation and breakthroughs and stay committed to the things that they're trying to achieve in their lives. She's also a mom to a super handsome three, almost four-year-old boy. She's engaged to marry the love of her life in June. She's beautiful. She's smart. And if she wasn't already enough uh, holding her BS in neuropsychology, a certificate in cognitive behavioral therapy, and a diploma in applied holistic nutrition, she's now pursuing her dream of obtaining her master's in psychology at Harvard University, you guys. What the heck? Adele's superpower. I'm, I'm, you don't talk yet because I'm still going about you. Adele's superpower is that she helps people see their blind spots, Ooh. which everybody needs help with that, right? Yeah. That's massive self-awareness right there. <laughs> and she helps them break their behaviors and routines in order to get out of their own way so they can accomplish their goals. So welcome, Adele. Thank you so Hi. much for being here. <laughs> wow. Hi, guys. <laughs> that right? is a lot. That's all crazy. in my free t- all in my free time. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Love it. Yes, so yes. I gotta tell you this really quick. Eddie gets yes. super uncomfortable when it's his birthday and we sing happy birthday because he's like, Where do I look? What do I do? Imagine sitting there through like a three minute bio like yeah. that. I yeah. could just see his uncomfortable face. Yeah, it's really I, I've, uncomfortable. I've started to just embrace it now. Now I just say yes. Bring it yes. on. Because that's the only way it, it works. Otherwise, it feels like people totally. are singing at me. 
<laughs> yeah. And it's also just like hearing it back at you. You're like, wow. Right. Like all the growth. Cause you, mm-hmm. when you're in your life, you don't see it from a different perspective, but when you, you get your bio back and you're like, wow, I have accomplished all that because I'm sometimes I'm at my worst enemy too. Like the, the shit I say to myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes it's like when you hear it back from someone, you're like, wow, I have achieved all these things. I'm living a life in alignment. That wasn't always the case. Like and all this kind of beautiful stuff. So thank you for saying that because it just grounded me and like, wow, yeah, like this is my life. It's pretty awesome. I've done some shit. Yeah, Yeah. I've done some shit, totally. So I think we're going to go out of the gates with what you said, and I'm a little disappointed. Like, let me give you why. We Mm -hmm. interviewed our pastor, and he's a little older, and he said he still struggles with like comparison. He still struggles with self-doubt. And I was like, damn it, it doesn't get better with age. (laughs) And then you've got all these like degrees and certificates and you're saying you still sometimes are the worst enemy of yourself. Please Mm -hmm. help us with that. A hundred percent. So, okay. What a great way to start. So here's the thing. Your narrative is never going anywhere because your narrative is part of your, the ego part of your mind, the limbic system. And I love talking about this because this is a podcast in and of itself. So you have an ego. So the ego is the part of your your mind that says, you're not enough. You're not safe. You got to do more comparison, judgment, fear. And we all have it. The ego actually lives in the part of your brain called the default mode network. So the thing is, is that the more work you do on yourself, the more mindset work, the more awareness, the more mindfulness, you're able to quiet the voice. It becomes more of a whisper and you're able to still act even when you hear the voice. But for a lot of people who haven't even delved into this kind of work, they think that their ego is them. Mm, and when you yeah. and when you start to do the work, you ate, you're taking a different seat of awareness. Like now when I hear myself be critical, which is not as much as like, it used to be, you know, right. but it's just part of my humanity. So I actually mm-hmm. always just embrace my humanity and my imperfections. And that's one of them where it's not enough. I got to do more. I got to be more. Oh, heart. Okay. That's my thing. My shtick is like, I got to be more, do more. Okay. That's my shit too. Yeah. It's like a super achiever on steroids. Mm-hmm. And when the more work I do in this realm of, I call it science and spirituality, marrying those two, which is sort of my thing, my gift is I'm able to just say, I understand that's my ego and it's not who I really am. The source Mm -hmm. and the truth of who I really am is whole, perfect, and complete. But we, as we grow up, so zero to seven, those formative years, this is really important. When we're zero to seven years of age, the only part of our mind that's, that's awake is our subconscious mind. We don't have a thinking mind, a critical thinking mind. We just have this subconscious mind. And that's when all of our subconscious patterning get formed, zero to seven years of age from our mom and our dad, okay? What I mean by that, and this is like highlight, bold this, like this is probably the most important thing I can say. Listen so up. Our, yeah, listen up. Our <laughs> programming happened when we were zero to seven years of age before we had the part of our mind that could say, I agree or disagree. Mm. So what I mean by that is my mom and my dad raised me and they're not perfect, but they did as much as they could, Right but I inherited certain beliefs from my mom and certain beliefs from my dad, both consciously and subconsciously. And that has created and shaped my identity, quote unquote. So when you're talking about limiting beliefs and patterns and why do we still run those things when we know we shouldn't run those things and how come your pastor is like this evolved human and he still has his background? Because that is part of our conditioning and patterning at the level of the subconscious mind that was developed between the ages of zero and seven. Now. The good news is that we can rewrite that and rewire it. But for most people, they don't even know this to be true. 
they just think that their identity is fixed and stable. Like, you know how many people say to me, well, I'm just, I am the way I am, Adele, right? I am the way I am. And it's like, no, you are the way you are based on those beliefs. And you choose that. And you choose those beliefs. You choose to believe those beliefs. But we're talking about how many people go through life and I call them, they're unconscious. They're not conscious to all these other things going on, like their, their patterning and their, their subconscious beliefs and the voices in their head, right? So that's to answer your question, like it's that voice is never going away. It's just more like how quickly can you interrupt that voice in your head and say, oh, that's my ego. That's the funny way my ego talks to me. Mm-hmm. Does that that's make sense? So good. Yes. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much. And I feel like that conversation, I know that we both, we have that conversation with people all the time. Well, let me give you an example. Especially around like the identity piece and people like to self-identify with that voice or Mm -hmm. they will say to themselves that I'm this, I'm depressed. And I always try to correct them and say, you're experiencing those things. That's not who you actually are, but it's it's a powerful thing for people. And I think that we all are, I should say for everyone, it's a powerful thing. And I just try to remind people there's always another voice that's always telling you, no, that's not true. You can do it. (laughs) Mm. Right. Well, let me give you an example and then maybe you can tag team on this. So I have a girlfriend. I won't name her, but I'm going to force her to listen to this. She's (laughs) single. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. You know, all the accolades. And she has this belief that there are no good men out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is why you're single. This is yeah. why you're not going to find the love of your life because you, you don't you even believe. believe it's out there. <laughs> like yeah. she thinks she's going to get murdered if she signs up for Match.com and she's going to attract. All- I said, well, you know what? Don't do it because you will attract them because that's what you yeah. believe, right? Totally. And so I told her, I said, you have to choose different thoughts. Like you've got to believe different things. And she's like, well, how? I go, well, when you feel it creep in. You chose that thought, so just choose a different one. I know mm-hmm. that sounds like so. So her thing was like, well, how, why? Like that's a lot of work, right? Yeah. And I love what you just said because you said, and I hope everyone got it out of the gates. You came with fire. You said, <laughs> if people don't understand that this is a lifelong process, and if people don't start yeah. to understand that they can choose different thoughts, if people yeah. don't know about this, they just do what's familiar, right? Yeah. Totally. So, and so what do we say to her? Like, how do I break and, her so she can yeah. find the love of her life? And Adele, before you answer that, yeah. also keep in mind, I, I, just to, for the listeners, because a lot of times when you tell people that they're choosing a thought, they yeah. sometimes get really defensive and upset mm-hmm. by that. Like, why would I choose something like that? Right. <laughs> right? Yes. So, yes. You so know. let's, yeah, let's do it all. all that. Yeah. Totally. Let's let, okay. So I so agree with you. So people, this is kind of what we talked about before, I think before we started recording, which is this idea that I talk a lot about with CEOs, and I do a lot of this in my workshops, where it's understanding the law of cause and effect. So let's just start with that. So the law of cause and effect is a universal law. It's an axiom of truth, okay? It's like the law of gravity. You don't have to believe in gravity to not be floating off your chair, okay? (laughs) I say that to people all the time. So this is important because a lot of people, especially people who are very cognitive, they're very analytical, they're like, well, how? Well, how? Well, why? I don't get it. The law of gravity, just like all the other seven laws of the universe, like polarity, the law of cause and effect, you don't have to believe them in order for them to be true. Mm -hmm. So I say that because this is important. The law of cause and effect is the same. The law of cause and effect says every action has an equal and opposed reaction, meaning every action has an equal and you do something, something back happens back. Now, taking it one step further, your actions start at the level of your thoughts. This is imperative. Your thoughts create things. Your thoughts create your reality because it's your thinking mind 
that then projects an image. And then that image goes into the reality and you start to see that in external. So in CBT, what we actually say is like something happens, like a situation, you have a thought about that situation and that's what actually triggers you. Okay. So there are no men, good men out there. I can't find love, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That thought then creates an emotion. Maybe it's anxiety or overwhelm. That fe- that gets projected into your body. So you get a sensation, usually in the pit of your stomach or your chest. Mm. And then you go do a behavior. So maybe you avoid, maybe you do something else. And that becomes what I call the vicious cycle in, in CBT. It's like the way that the, the model works. Mm. So when you think about it in the law of cause and effect, it's like you are causing your life by virtue of your thinking. Whether you believe that or not, that's the way the axiom works. Mm. So this is really powerful because... I always say to people, this gives you agency. If you don't like your, the way your life is going, you have complete power and control to shift that narrative, that script in your mind. Now, it's not easy, but it is simple. Right. And so there's a distinction. Like this is not, this work is not for the faint of heart. I always say that to people. Like it is not easy to go out there and go to war with your mindset. Mm. Like, and I say go to war, like the shit that we say to ourselves is absurd. And mm. if you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself, you have zero friends. Right. But so we live life like things are happening to us when really we're the agent, we're the cause. Mm -hmm. We've caused it by the virtue of our thinking. So that's the first point that's really important for people to grapple with. Like, and again, this might trigger some people, Mm -hmm. but but I think it's actually good that it triggers people because if it triggers someone, then something's shifting. Right. Your ego just wants to keep you safe and the same. So it doesn't want you to buy into that because it's the truth. But when you can have this other voice, your higher self, like you said, you're either feeding your ego, your higher self. If you can see, listen, if I can even accept for a moment that I've accepted my reality, I've created my reality, like I'm single. And I was the same. I was single. I laugh because I'm getting married in June, but I was single for most of my life. I had Mm -hmm. a, a child on my own and everything. And when I really got present to, I created that. I caused that because I had a very deep rooted belief called an imprint. So it's actually one step deeper than that limiting belief, which Mm -hmm. is I'm all on my own. Okay. Mm. And that developed from my childhood because when I said zero to seven, though between those years, I was, my parents had to move and immigrate to Canada from Russia. They had no money, like all immigrants. And they shipped me to go live with my parents in the US, my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So when I was three, I developed this subconscious belief that I'm on my own. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. where are my parents? Now, they didn't do anything wrong. They did what they had to do. But as a kid, you interpret the world based on, you make a meaning out of all of this about mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So as a result, I went through my whole life. I'm better off on my own. I'm all on my own. It's safer to be on my own. And I was single. Hmm. When, I re- when I really went to war with myself and I started to do this inner work, I created a different script. And that different script led me to meet my, my, the man of my dreams. Mm. That if this is a coincidence, this is the law of cause and effect in action. Mm. And so part of it, we circling back to your girlfriend, it's like part of it is the desire to want to change. Okay. You can't want change for people if they don't want change for themselves. You know, that's hard you know, as a coach to get. Isn't that? So, I know, but it's true. Like I, I know. you know, people still smoke and people still do all this crazy shit that we know is causal with cancer and we yeah. know but they do it. And I've always said to people as a coach and a therapist, like I'd have people come to me and say, my, I really want my wife to quit smoking or I really want my husband to do this. I said, do they want to? Mm-hmm. No, but I want them to. But well, that's not going to work. Right. Yeah. So your girlfriend to that point, for me, I had to hit my own rock bottom and say like, am I really going to go at life alone here? Do mm-hmm. I like, is this really the way I want 
my life to go? And for me, the answer was no. Right. And so then I had to go to war with myself and understand that deep rooted imprint of I'm all on my own and I'm safer on my own actually. And I had to go to war and start to heal that aspect of myself. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So Can I just I, ask you something really quick? Because I think just to back up, because I think that's so powerful and I hope everyone caught that. Mm-hmm. But where I think where people get a lot lost is they're just, the awareness is not there. Yeah. Like you talked yeah. about understanding the imprint. When did that become an understanding or an awareness for you where you were able actually to put some language behind it. Because Without a lot of times blaming your parents, we're, though. We're, we're yeah. limited because yes. we don't have the articulation to actually understand what has happened or what is going on with us. Totally. That's such a great question. So the work that I teach and the work that I do in the world is a function of my own experiential personal journey. So over the last decade, I've invested, like I say this to my clients all the time, the biggest investment I make is in myself and in my personal growth. So I've always had coaches and mentors and I've, I've invested so much time and money in that because you can't unfortunately see your own blind spot from your own perspective. You can't Absolutely. solve the problem from the same level it was created, right? So I had to have coaches throughout, especially I would say the last five years, I work, I've worked with a lot of different coaches and, and, and spiritual leaders and people in the realm of quantum physics and neuroscience. And I was able to do the work on myself and as a result, teach the work in my own way, like create my own framework around it. Right. So a part of it is like, even if you're listening to this podcast, part of it is there's something in your awareness that drew you to this podcast. Your subconscious mm-hmm. mind is drawing you to this conversation because this conversation wouldn't be present in your life if you weren't ready. Right. And that's what I always say. Like people are only coming to work with me when they're ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not for everyone. Like I will dial in on you and we'll, we're going to go to war. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not ready, if you're not there, that's okay. But if there's something in this conversation where you're going, wow, yeah, that's me. I can see that there's something limiting me. I don't know what it is, but there is something holding me back. Mm-hmm. That's step one. Yeah. That is actually awareness. Mm. Awareness okay. is saying, my life isn't where I want it to be. Maybe it's around my income. Maybe it's around my relationships or my health. I know that I'm my own. There's some kind of narrative going on. There's some kind of belief system going on. That's step one. I feel like that step one requires some accountability and responsibility, right? Like, because it's Mm -hmm. so hard for most people, most people that are not working on themselves, you know, they know that they're stuck in a rut. They know that they're unhappy, but they're blaming all these external things, you know, like, well, it's because my boss doesn't give me enough money at work. It's because I had a kid when I was younger and people are, you know, treating me Mm -hmm. different or whatever the case may be. So I think what we have found through coaching is like, and we're very much like you, we've spent so much money on us. You That's know? why you are where you are in your right. life though. It's and, no coincidence. And yeah. it's totally changed our lives and our perspectives. <laughs> yeah. And when we realize like, oh, we're struggling financially because of all the shit we do, all of the bad choices we make with money, not our salary, not the economy, not the government, not the taxes. Yeah. Not right? Trump. Right, <laughs> not Trump. <laughs> Yeah. Janelle just said something too. Like, I think people need to understand that. Like, the the distortion is the blaming. Like, the behavior is part of, like, you have to find it. Why am I doing these things? Because that is going to lead me to an understanding of what's going on. But then it leads them to beating themselves up, which is what we're talking about. So, there's that fine line, I think, that when you're in the, you're in route to personal development, it's like, how much beating up and responsibility do I take so I'm not ready to kill myself? (laughs) And then how much do I actually, so like, and I, and I, I know you have 
so much to say. I feel like we could do a five-hour podcast together. Yes, we probably could. (laughs) But I think they're like with the girlfriend, with the dating, right? I think people Mm. would hear, okay, well, I can't remember what happened to me when I was a kid. But yeah, I'm very much like you. I'm independent. I probably give off that I don't need anyone. And I think women who are high achievers, we probably put a lot of masculine energy out that repels men, right? Yeah. But then I think immediately you want to go to, okay, then how do I fix it? Do I, give me the tactics. Do I go out to a club? Do I go to church? Do I go to the grocery store? Tell me where to go. But really what I want people to hear is it's not really about that. It's about you. And we okay. don't ever want to work. Okay, I'm no more. Yeah. I'm not talking anymore. Yeah, you this are. is so. Oh my God, there's so much what you, <laughs> goodness, what you said. So there's a couple things. So there's this whole conversation of the masculine and feminine dynamic that we have. But let's park that for a second. What I think is actually really important in what you said is that what happens to a lot of us. And by the way, everything I'm saying, there's nothing. I come from the position of there is nothing wrong with any of it. It's all our humanity. Mm-hmm. All the judgment, all the fear, all the victim consciousness. That's all part of the ego. The ego is the very part natural. of your brain. It's very natural. It's your it's your fight or flight limbic system. It wants to keep you safe and the same, but it hasn't evolved. It's not about, you're never going to expand at the level of the ego, okay? So you have to look outside of the ego and go, that's always going to run in the background. That is always, but if I'm going to be in victimhood, like life is happening to me, I am feeding the ego, mm. period, the end. Mm. Now, do I want to feed the ego or do I want to start to feed this other aspect of myself called the higher, your higher self, God, source, the universe, whatever, however you call it. I'm non-denominational. It doesn't matter. I call it my higher self. Okay. Mm. You are either feeding, this is a fact, guys. This is not my opinion. Mm-hmm. You're feeding yourself, higher self or your ego. You're either in creation mode or in survival mode. Mm. You're either in victim consciousness or you're in love vibration. There are two sides and polarized at the same point and polarized. Yeah. So part one is go choice here. Do I want to expand my container and do I want to expand myself and look outside my ego or am I happy and comfortable where I am? If I'm happy and comfortable where I am, that's totally okay. Like be comfortable where you are. If there's something inside of you that's going, my life is not working. I'm willing to accept responsibility. I'm willing to start feeding my higher self What's the journey here? There's a whole process. This Mm. isn't a one conversation. This is like, this was a 10 year journey for me. This is something that I do in a 12 week program of people as a minimum Mm. because it's repatterning. It's literally going to work on your subconscious mind. It's affirmations, it's meditations, it's healing work, it's breath work. It's all, it's literally access to a different dimension. Okay. Mm. So it's not like, give me the five quick tips, which people love to because that feeds the ego, the five Mm. strategies. When people say, give me the five strategies, I'm like, there are no strategies. Mm-hmm. Take a freaking breath, okay? <laughs> there is. This is not give me the seven hacks to like personal growth and development. This That's is like buckle up and get yeah. ready to cry and do some this, work with yourself. This is going to see the truth about who you really are. Mm-hmm. And this is going to see the shadow side of yourself and the beautiful side of yourself. Mm-hmm. This is about really going to see those beliefs that you formed so early on. Again, no one's going to remember what happened at three. You actually have no memory. But there's a process I take people through where they actually go back in time and start to see some of their imprints that they developed. And there's a whole framework. So it's like, you're not meant to know how to do this on your own. I didn't know how to do it on my own. But mm. but step one is just even saying like, I'm willing to accept some responsibility here to be causing my life. I'm mm. also curious about what it looks like to live a life where I feed my higher self. And when you said about your girlfriend, who's like, well, why and what and how and people that are like, but I'm a single woman and I'm independent. That all I hear there is ego. 
Mm. Yeah. And, and it's all masked to your point about driving in the masculine is literally like feeding your ego nonstop. Mm-hmm. And that was my like big thing in my whole life was I was so prominent in my masculine. And when I started to embrace my feminine, which is another way of saying my higher self, mm-hmm. okay, the creative, the receiver, this other force. When I started to play in the yin and the yang, because you need both, you can't just be in your, your feminine either. Mm-hmm. But when I started to understand the dance and the marriage of those two, I was able to achieve, like I said, greatness in my finances in a way that was never possible in my career, in my relationships with my son, in my relationship with myself. I dominated in my masculine because I was raised by a mom who's also dominant in her masculine. And I learned about masculinity from my mom, which made me like so far on the masculine. Mm -hmm. And I had to heal that. So a lot of women who are in their masculine, they've annihilated their feminine, their higher self. They've stopped listening to their intuition. And that's where the, why they're so far off the spectrum. That's why they're living a life totally out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, again, it's our humanity. So yeah. it, part one is going, if I'm listening to this and something is resonating or something is sounding like some level of truth or you're having an aha moment, listen to that. Because that's like your intuition is starting to say, oh, there's another way to live my life. Yeah. Right? I that's love huge. that. Can you do this? Can you go back? You said something I think that I think people <laughs> need to know. You said yeah. you cannot expand from the level of your ego. Yes. Can you go deeper mm. on that? Because that mm. is where that, we talked about the dialogue is there, but when you're stuck there, that's not a place where you can grow from really. Totally. Okay. Totally. Yes. So the ego, right, which is part of the limbic system, the limbic system is literally our fight or flight survival mechanism. It was developed. It's the most primal part of our brain. It's the part of your brain where if you're in danger, like someone's got a gun to your head, your pupils dilate, you're, you stop shunting blood to your extremities, you're in fight or flight mode, you're in survival mode, okay? It's a stress response and you go into your sympathetic nervous system. Here's the thing, that when we developed in our primitive time, when we were paleolithic, we would we'd be running away from like a tiger or a bear or short amount mm-hmm. of danger, But today our stress response is like we're living our life in our sympathetic dominant and we're literally living in our limbic system. We're literally in our fight or flight all day long. Mm -hmm. So most people are in fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So what that that looks like in your life is like you get an email from your boss and you go into attack reaction, Mm -hmm. okay? Or you avoid conflict or you literally freeze. You don't do anything. How many people do you know in your life that are literally in attack mode, they're in defensive mode, or they're in freeze avoidance mode? All of them. Yeah. And, yeah, and we, yeah. we call it anxiety. Yeah. We call it, well, it is anxiety. That's actually how anxiety develops. The yeah. vicious cycle of anxiety is that the more you avoid, the more your anxiety escalates because you never prove to yourself that you can actually take it on self-efficacy. Mm. So yeah, that's anxiety, but we literally live in this stress response. Okay. When you're in your survival mode, which again, it serves a purpose. Like you do want to have that instinct because if something was to happen, you need to have that ability to fight, flight or freeze or flee. Mm. But the other piece is you can't access your higher self in survival. It's just not possible. It's literally two sides of the same point. Like That's when you're in survival, the other part of yourself is not, you know what, not available. This is why people meditate. This is why people do mindfulness work because through your breath, through quieting your mind, through quieting your nervous system to go from parasympathetic to sympathetic, you literally transcend the ego. That's what it is. The people who are like meditators and they get into this still bliss state of love, vibration, or gratitude, high vibration states, you can't access those states in the limbic system. The limbic Mm -hmm. system is all fear and that's all low vibration. 
So it's literally like two sides of the same coin. It's literally completely polarized. It's like, it's not light when it's dark. It's not sunlight when the moon's out. Like mm. it's the same thing. So to your point, Eddie, I think that, I don't know if that answers the question. Like yeah. if you're in your survival mode, you cannot be in your higher self mode. Yeah. Oh, and the reason why I wanted so you to good. say that, because I wanted people yeah. who are listening to mm-hmm. know that it has to be intentional. Like, yeah. I think we get into these places where we, it's natural to have these narratives that are not productive, they're not helpful, but we're waiting for the natural response to be positive when it has to be intentional. Right. When you yeah. have to go and you have to actually go do something to change it. Well, I oh my God, this, totally. I will I, say this though, we work with a lot of people who are starting businesses undercapitalized, you know, lots mm-hmm. of small business owners. And I was one of them. Like we mm-hmm. lost our jobs. We filed bankruptcy and then I had this idea to start a business from home. It took off and I signed a lease and I was like, okay, it's just like fighter fight or flight. Yeah, fight or fight flight. Or flight. Yeah. And I was gonna fight as hard as I could to not fail. Yeah. And that's one of your imprints, by the way. Right. And a lot of my students do yeah. that too. I think it's, you know, the baking industry in particular, which is a lot of my followers. They don't understand really what goes into raising capital or generating Mm -hmm. revenue or marketing or the business aspect, which is what we teach. And so they wind up prematurely getting into these huge responsibilities of finances and, Mm -hmm. you know, orders and whatever. And they're always in like survival mode. And so I will say from someone who's been there when I had a coach at the time that said, you need to slow down to speed up. I thought oh my he God, was I love that. Yes. I thought he was batshit crazy Adele. <laughs> I was like, this is not the right coach for me. He does not understand. I'm in survival mode. I, I need you to tell it. me how. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. think back to your 10, 10 years ago self when you didn't re- yeah. I didn't know really about yeah. personal development, the ego and all this stuff. That if you're listening and it sounds crazy, I am telling you, it has been a journey for Eddie and I for Adele. Yeah. And I just yeah. like, I want to tell them, it's, like it's almost like I yeah. just need to hug you. I need to <laughs> hug you. We need to breathe yeah. together. And it sounds so stupid because you're like, you're wasting time. Don't you know I have a bill to pay tomorrow? So what do you yeah. say to that? Because that's okay. a lot of yeah. our listeners, you know, they're in survival yeah. mode and it's like do or die. And then it leads us to so many conversations about failure and fear and all of this other crap. Yeah. Help okay. fix us, please. so much pressure no no well I don't have it that there's anything to I really as a as a you got to get I have it that there's nothing wrong and that's what I make what makes me the kind of coach I am I don't look at it like there is something wrong I look at like that is your humanity you are Mm -hmm. not a robot to have an expectation that you're not going to have that narrative is unrealistic so stop that's good okay so rather than judging yourself for having it it's like saying like there's a part of you that you that you have and you have to be okay with it and at peace with it but you have to learn how to transcend it so there's a couple things you said that I want to talk to one that Eddie said which and I want to speak to this is like you can create from ego you can look at Donald Trump you can look at a lot of people in the world that have created from ego when I say they've created something maybe they've created mm-hmm. wealth or power but the but is really important it has come at a cost mm-hmm. creating from the ego will always come at a cost and what I mean by that is you're a great example. You can run a business all on your sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, but you'll go to a point where it's called burnout, failure, whatever, debt. Like 
at a certain point, it's an inverted U. Too much of a good thing, too much of a parasympathetic, synthetic goes into burnout. Mm. So you can create from ego. I did that for the first probably 10 years of my career. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I, I did fairly well, quote mm. unquote, but it came at a cost. It came at personal costs. It came at health costs. It came at cost of my sleep and my sanity and actually my finances. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you start to get, understand that you cannot cr- really create at the level that you're capable of when you're living in fear. So the question is, how do we transcend fear? Well, step one is learn how to meditate, literally learn how to breathe. To your point, you do have to slow down to speed up. I say that it's funny your coach said that I say that all the time because mm-hmm. I work with high performing CEOs who are like, yes. not fast. you feel like you can't slow down. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's again, it's the same thing. You feel like you can't, but you but can, the, but well, and you have to, because the thing that's <laughs> forcing, the thing that's forcing you to not slow down is your ego, which is yeah. trying to keep you safe in the same. So if you want to be different, you got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of those things is literally slow down. And what I mean by slow down is I actually have my, my clients do this, this meditation exercise where they literally just slow down their breathing. They start to breathe and they start to tune into their thinking mind and their thoughts. And I literally say like, slow your thoughts down. Like you're listening to it on slow motion. What are your thoughts right now? If your thoughts are like, I can't, I'm scared. Okay. Just listen to them and allow yourself to listen to your thoughts and feel your emotions and notice how that shows up in your body. Just that level of awareness to see what your thoughts are is so important. Like you need to slow down in order to understand yourself. Part of the reason people go so fast, I think you're one of them and I'm the same is like, we're so afraid of our thoughts. We're afraid of being still with ourselves. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to hear what's going on in my head. You need to hear what's going on in your head yeah. and if, if you're going to change it. So I do this meditation with people where I just, I have them really slow down their sympathetic nervous system. I have them slow down their breathing. I have them just listen to their body, feel into their body. Most people are so disconnected from their body. They don't even know they have a body. They're just a brain walking around living in the past or some future. Mm -hmm. Slow down your body and just feel where you feel those sensations. And then I say, okay, move up to your head. Start to notice how your thoughts are, 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 are hardwired. Like what are your thinking? What's your thinking? Great. How do you then feel when you think those thoughts? Okay, wonderful. Just start to be with that. That is a number one step one that's so important for people to understand that their thoughts create their feelings and their feelings create their behaviors. That is like, that is the model that is like NLP, CBT, neuroscience, neurosemantics, like everything is, it tells you that you're not reacting to your situation. You're reacting to your thoughts about the situation. Mm -hmm. Those thoughts create emotions, which are just energy and motion in your body. And people suppress those emotions because they don't want to feel them. But when you suppress them, you create more of that. You amplify that. So part of it, when I work with people, is like allow yourself to feel what you feel fully from a place of non-judgment and unconditional love. If you're feeling scared, allow yourself to feel scared. Those, that feeling eventually transmutes to a different emotion. Yeah. So good. And, and, and I'm always about picking out things I think people should really get. Yes. The... Can you really talk about how detrimental it is to judge those mm-hmm. things? Like, because oh. I, I definitely feel, I feel like judgment is a narrowing process. When you judge, you eliminate things that are important to your awareness. Yeah. Can you go into that? Because I think so, pe- so many people are judging it and they're making meaning of things that they shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, totally. So judgment, and that's why I said non-judgment. Because So judgment is literally the language of the ego. It's how the ego speaks to you. So that's actually a clue for you. When you start looking more objectively into your thoughts, and if your thoughts show up like judgments as a pattern, 
that's literally just how your ego speaks to you. It judges you, it judges others. Look at that person, look at me. Like if, if that's how you think, that's just your ego, okay? So again, non-judgment is literally saying having unconditional love for yourself. And when I say that, I actually say to people, imagine yourself as a little child who is five. Would you be judging your five-year-old self? Yeah. No, oh, you're so oh, fat. Oh my God, you're not smart enough. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, you're never going to find a man. Know. You're not cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd exactly. go to hell if you, you said that to a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, you're poor. Well, that's the thing. Like you would never do that right. to a five-year-old, but that's actually where people are emotionally stunted at five to seven. Mm. So they're literally reacting to life like they're five or seven years old. So when you're feeling how you feel, anxious, afraid, overwhelmed, angry, pissed off, resentful, resentful, that's sort of the emotional body of your five-year-old self. Mm. So allow yourself to feel those things from a place of unconditional love and non-judgment as you would for your five-year-old. Or I even say, because I have a son who's almost four, like I would with Elia. Like mm. I don't judge Elia for having a temper tantrum. It's just what four-year-olds do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we judge ourselves when really we're no different than a four-year-old emotionally speaking. Mm emotionally speaking, because our emotions got stunted in that zero to seven time frame. So if you notice, you typically usually have a very similar cascade of emotions. Some people are anxious. Some people are angry. Some people are victim-y. Some people are sad. Everyone has their own way that their emotions play out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's literally where you got stunted. So this idea of non-judgment is imperative in order to transcend the ego because you can't judge and love at the same time. I love that. That's mm-hmm. so good. And, and, you know, one of the things that I try to communicate to people, and, I, and I've been trying to practice this for myself, when I hear that ego mm. creeping in and the voice coming in, I've started practicing curiosity. And one of the things that mm. we talk about is just getting curious and, and asking yourself questions to help me with not judging, mm-hmm. you know, as a technique. I don't mm-hmm. know if, the, if that works, but I, for me, it, it works out really well because I end up I asking myself better questions and I go, oh, Oh, I don't really believe that. <laughs> well, that's, it's so funny you say that. Yes, you're so right. Because first of all, getting curious, I love that word. I actually use cure. I, curiosity is actually such a good word. So thank you for saying that. It's a great word because it literally, cre- it takes off a bit of that shield, like that reaction. It's like, it's like just kind of the invitation to be curious, right? You don't have to agree or disagree. It's like, just be curious. The other thing that you just said is what CBT is so known for is it's Socratic questioning. So mm-hmm. asking yourself the right questions what it actually does at the level of the mind and neuroscientifically is like it moves you from the back of your brain, which is your fight or flight to the front of your brain, which is your reasoning mind. Mm. And when you're using your reasoning mind, Eddie, it's like you said, like, do I actually believe that uh, that's true? Not really. Like you start to debunk some of those really steadfast thoughts and beliefs that you had when you actually start to look at the evidence, which is what we do in CBT is like, how true is that thought for you now? For most people, it's like, not really. It's like it puts a whole wrench in their whole narrative. Right. So so what you're doing is actually exactly right. It's like asking yourself better questions. It's like questioning your thoughts. Like if you have a thought like like all men are bad or I'm going to be on my own or I can't succeed or I'm always going to be broke, okay, start to like actually question that. Like why do I really believe that? Do I really believe that to be true? Did I maybe learn that from my mom and dad? Who else in my family has that belief? Those beliefs are ancestral and generational. Like Mm. a lot of what I say cause and effect, like this is a great example that I gave on uh, a story I did today because I did this a workshop a few weeks ago and I, I led a whole section on cause and effect. And I said, our parents taught us cause and effect in a way that's not accurate. What I mean by that is 
How many heard this is cause and effect? Go to school, get a job, become financially free. Is that true? No. There's a ton of people, educated people that are broke, including Mm -hmm. everyone that I led the workshop to who are physicians and naturopaths and health Mm -hmm. practitioners. So that's not the right law of causality. Mm -hmm. That's, That's an inherited law of causality. Our grandparents' generation, yes, go get a job and get money. But today you can be an entrepreneur and totally successful without ever having to go to college. And you can also have gone through medical school and then done a PhD and be completely broke. So we don't live by the right laws of cause and effect, right? So part of it is understanding that some of these scripts are not even our own. They're our mums, our grandmums, our great grandmoms. And they worked maybe for them, but fast forward 20, 30 years, they don't really apply anymore. They don't, they definitely don't apply anymore. That's my point. And so even like what Eddie said, like questioning and asking those questions and being curious, like start by being curious and looking at like your mom and dad and go, what, what might I have learned from my mom and dad or my grandparents about money? What's the, what did I hear about money? Does it grow on trees? Like da, da, da. Those beliefs are deep rooted in money, the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. Money doesn't grow on trees. Don't take more than you don't eat more than you have. Like don't take more than you need. It's a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. I talk about money a lot because I love, I love money mindset stuff because it's just, it's the same work. It's, it's tapping into abundance, which is high vibration states, but it's no different. Abundance shows up in your life in all different ways, money, relationships, like health, all Mm -hmm. those things. So it's kind of like looking at, what did I learn from my parents? And do I believe those things to be true for myself anymore? I want to say so, this. That, yeah, that's so good. But Yeah, go ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say this because your son is about to be four and mm-hmm. we have gone through the teenage years, not to mention three girls. That's crazy. And <laughs> I started saying to them maybe around 12 when I started to like notice this narrative, like, you know, it was like, some of the victimhood and then like, oh, my parents kind of like, I could see them maybe blaming things on us. (laughs) And I feel like uh, this is important though, like, cause I want to get her insight on this, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it's important because they had parents that were really consciously trying to not instill things in them, but obviously it it unconsciously happens, right? So I have told them Mm -hmm. since about 12, listen, all you need to know is that there is this narrative that you're creating and you need to know that ours is different. It's done with love, intention, and, you know, all the the best intentions. But you will be in therapy for something that you blame on us (laughs) when you're 30. And that's okay because everybody blames some shit on their parents, right? And all you need to know is we did the best we could. And Mm -hmm. then what the magical part's going to be is when you're around 30 and you have your own kids and this whole thing starts again, you're going to be like, shit, maybe my parents didn't ruin me. Maybe, you know, it's just part of the cycle. And so I want our listeners, like, because we talked a lot about, like, you learned these habits from your parents. Mm -hmm. And I've seen and heard a lot of people blame things on their parents, right? Oh, my parents jacked me up. My parents did this. And it's like, okay, go to counseling for that. I think you should work on that. But also- some of it was done with love. Some of it was yeah. done based on the time that they raised you. Some of it was done at their highest level of consciousness and their capacity, right? And so 100%. I feel like only because we have older kids, like if you yeah. girls are listening, you better know, yes, you can blame some stuff on us, but it's still your responsibility <laughs> to fix it, yeah. right? Well, totally. And what you said is 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 so amazing in a couple of ways. Like, I don't, and in this work, it's not about blaming our parents. Like 
our, I always say our parents were not sitting in personal development workshops to going to work on ourselves. Our parents are a baby boomer, post-war Holocaust survivor generation who are literally surviving and putting food on the table. Right. Again, survival mode, not higher self mode. Mm-hmm. We are transcending into a different time now where we're talking about conscious parenting and conscious workplace and consciousness and conscious that. Our kids are already so much more ahead because we're even in this conversation. Yep. But I don't blame my parents. I love my parents. My parents did the best they could with the resources they had and they did amazing. And even if you have amazing parents, you still inherit Mm -hmm. some level of belief or trauma. You still had something happen to you that you made it mean about you. And what I mean by that is your parents might have not bought you that red bike that you wanted and you decided in a moment, you made an agreement, I can't have what I want in my life. Mm -hmm. That is an imprint that you then create as your reality, which is why you don't have what you want in your life. But it has nothing to do with your parents. It's your meaning-making machine that you Mm -hmm. had about what happened. Did you your hear parents, that, guys? Your meaning-making meaning machine. machine. Yeah. Good. It's your parents did what they could. And some. And by the way, I have clients that I work with that went through, had physical abuse and violence and all sorts of things that, that they, like, you got to look, there's different things that have happened to people, okay? And there's a lot of trauma that people have endured. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say it's right or wrong or it's not, I'm not the judge and the jury. All I'm saying is that you have a, cho- a chance and choice to rewrite your life. You don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. Some parents didn't do a great job and some parents did do a great job. Some pe- parents did come from love and other people have violence that went through generationally and they didn't know that's how they know to love, yeah, right? So this is a whole better. other conversation. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that like, this isn't again about our parents. This is about our parents are just a, are just a litmus to understand they're kind of the data, right? You got to have the data to understand yourself. But I, it's not about blaming. I don't blame my parents at all. I, I wouldn't be who I am literally without them. Gosh. So to me, you know, they're source to me and I became who I am. And that came with the good and the bad. But mm-hmm. it's my choice to rewrite the things I don't like about my life. It's not right. their pro- it's not their problem. Right. And so that's what I mean by taking a hundred percent responsibility in your life. Yeah. That's amazing. I got to tell you, you are magical and (laughs) you're going to have to be a regular guest. Like once a month. Now you have a new segment on the push podcast because there's so much that we talked about and it it was pure gold. And if you are new to the personal development world, I want you to go back and listen to this again and again. And by the way, when she's saying CBT, she's not talking about drugs. No. (laughs) Cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. But you know, people are going to be like, oh, she's saying go smoke. Uh, No. (laughs) CBD. I know. Yeah. But also, you know, the ego and the higher self. Like, I remember learning some of that when I was in my 19, like 19 before I was 20. And I was like, what is this woo woo shit? Right. Mm -hmm. And you're not ready for it. So if this is an episode that was a little over your head, you might want to still go back and re listen and then say, maybe I'm not ready for all of this, but what can I extrapolate from this? Because there was so much pure yeah, magic and gold absolutely. in everything that you shared. So thank you so much, thank Adele. You. Tell people thank where they can follow me. you and yes. connect with you and maybe work with you. Tell them all the things. Totally. And I guess you guys will link this in, in the bio absolutely. too. Yeah. You can find me at AdeleWellness.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Adele underscore wellness. You can email, email me Adele at Adele Wellness and that's all going to be linked up. And I would love to hear from you guys and I'd love to do this again because yeah. I could riff I could riff for hours. I know. This, this is totally my jam. And I wanted to just leave with this one last point before we go is like, 
when people say, you know, it's too woo woo, right? This is what people have to understand. This is actually science and math. This isn't, this is nothing about this is esoteric. It used to be esoteric 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. but this is all quantum physics and Mm -hmm. quantum science and neuroscience. This is what the truth of the world and reality. And if, again, you don't have to believe it to be true for it to be true. Mm. And I think that's really important for people to understand, right? So it's just, good. it's happening it. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thank you so Love much, you friends. I am so good. I nice gotta tell you, you, I'm going to brag for one last second. Like this is my friend. I am so honored to do life with people like you, Adele. You're amazing. You're magical. And we will talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Love you guys. Love Bye. you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.